0: All right, we're good to go, Scott. How are you?
1: Good, buddy. Uh, bring me up as co-host so we can uh, get guys up. I already sent you, up. sent
0: you an invite. Already and sent the invite. The the uh, Bill, I've sent you an invite. Dave, all of you have an invite via DM. Dave's already up. Bill, it's in your DMs. And Rand will be uh, will be joining us um thirty minutes after the show ends, as usual.
1: Yeah, perfect. Um, so sometime in seven hours.
0: Cool, man. So so I heard that we're gonna be doing a series on what's happening in crypto. Because it's just getting more and more interesting.
1: Uh, is it a sitcom or no? No, it's 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 Dr. similar. Documentary.
0: No, no, it's similar to billions. It's just going to be called uh, thousands. Because <laughs> you know, <laughs> we don't. Well, there's no billions anymore in the market.
1: <laughs> uh, it's gonna It's gonna be called hundreds. I have to say yeah, hundreds. <laughs> uh, that That's, was just a joke. I used a joke that we were a community of thousandaires. Very impressive. But um, I have to say, man. I, listen, you kind of warned me in advance. Uh, that once you start covering news and going down the breaking news rabbit hole and you're on spaces and committed every day, that it would become all-consuming. all, of, all consuming. But uh, I don't know how you do what you do, man. I had no absolute idea. We obviously had this conversation yesterday, and I would say that I've spent 20 of the 21 last hours not sleeping Having conversations in the background about all the things that we've been talking about this week—it's insane. How be- it's crazy the amount of connections and people reaching out to you from the spaces, and
0: the amount of—and in- then you're in a position where you get all this information, but you just don't know what you can and cannot share.
1: I share nothing. <laughs> <It's> very, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> the loose lips sink ships, right? Um, it's but more more importantly, I think it's just very. Um, difficult and a weighty responsibility to carry it with you and decide how to you know pr- proceed obviously so pretty crazy
0: man you should see ftx is everything we're going through now on uh, on steroids and ftx was meant to like i've obviously we've covered we've done a lot of shit since like from from uh, trump's indictment we're covering that live to the first indictment to um a silicon valley bank twitter files the list goes on like all this crazy shit we've done to this day still nothing compares to ftx because it was uh, the intent because i've never done it before either so that was like the first time i'm uh, you know acting like a pretending pretend journalist and then you get all this shit you don't know what to share and like things you say could impact the market very heavily i still got people pissed off at me um because of the things that we mentioned in those spaces even though it ended up being accurate and you'll, you'll go through this again like i didn't expect for us to go through this shit again like this is uh this is everything we're going through this week is maybe the the SEC action. Okay. That makes sense. The DOJ and Binance caught me by surprise uh, to an extent, because uh, people have been talking about it for a long time. Um, but then, then the story of yesterday, the, the, to, to have another reg, a US regulated entity um, get bailed out is unexpected and not sure what you can or cannot share Scott. But also I want to, I want to mention one thing is there's a story I've mentioned before. I had, there's a gentleman I know well. He's an ex-regulator, very well-respected guy, and we met a couple of times, you know, to to bring him in as a as an advisor to IBC and um, and get his advice. And then he was telling me that he got offered uh, uh, a few times for over a year, year and a half, uh, offered to be, uh, I think, chairman of of Binance, and he's rejected constantly. I now go to him. I'm like, man, you're you're yo, It just doesn't make sense. What you rejecting an offer from Binance to be chairman? I understand if some random exchange, etc. But we're talking about Binance here. Um, he's like Mario. Look, I, I, all people in the traditional world are tra- telling me to stay away. And um, regulators are eyeing Binance and expect to see things soon. And I'm like, yeah, I'm sure they are. And, and Binance, you know, did something wrong a few years ago. Um. And, and he, he's like, All right, I'll look into it again. We met again six months later, same discussion. And then we met again after FTX. Again, I gave him the same advice. I'm like, hey, this is Binance. We're not talking about FTX here. And um, I'm, I don't want to meet him again. <laughs> he just sat down this time. So I don't want to meet him. I'm like, bro. He's like, Mario, you're free for a meeting? No, man, look, I'm, I'm busy. <laughs>
1: Yeah, I mean, we all know obviously that Brian. You know, first of all, I was friendly with Catherine Coley. I've I've said she was the first person I ever interviewed on the podcast, literally. Um, and I was sad w- to see her go at that time. And then obviously she somewhat disappeared, and it became this grand mystery. And then Brian Brooks only lasted about two months there, right? Uh, and and both of them have somewhat. You know, if, if anyone's dug through their their commentary, it's been basically they just didn't feel like they had uh, transparency that they needed. Uh, and that obviously they just weren't comfortable that they weren't really in charge, and seemingly kind of both exited. Uh, and so I, I'm not surprised that somebody uh, reputable that you know would have stayed away from that situation, even after just seeing that. Yeah, on- I like
2: mean, that. if you think about it, yeah. guys, if you think about it from from those from that position, you think to yourself, look, we always knew there's a risk that a lot of these tokens are unregulated securities. We always knew that there was regulatory uncertainty. So what is the upside for someone coming on board? Like this, the risk is so big. You, know, you think about that. Like the risk is you you associating yourself with an industry that you know isn't hasn't been clean and hasn't been clean from the start. And that side is maybe a couple of extra bucks. You know what I mean? So it's, it, it it is quite a quite a big trade off. I must say that I spoke to our research team earlier this year when BNB was like at three hundred thirty bucks or something. And I said, you know, we're just we're speaking. And I said, guys, I think we should sell all our BNB, and we actually did. And the reason why we sold, I actually did it on one of my shows. I said. I, I, lo- I love Binance. I love BNB. I think it's a great token. I think the exchange is unbelievable. But when you have an exchange that's the market leader and has 80% market share, and you know that the only way from there is actually down because you knew that the regulatory attacks were going to come. You knew that, that the regulators were going to have a field down Binance. And so your upside was very, very, very limited. And your downside was all the way down to wherever it goes if there's criminal uh, if there's DOJ charges and whatever else, so I, I kind of get it. The risk-return profile wasn't uh, wasn't wasn't uh, aligned.
0: Yeah, true. But then then it, it can only go down relative to the rest of the market. But if the entire market goes up, still, like you could the argument you've made, you can make it for for Ethereum or Solano, or other pro, uh, Ethereum a protocol that has a big market share as well. No, not really. I
2: explained to you. I explained to you. And actually, I asked this to see the honest spaces. And actually, I remember very clearly when I did the show, and the whole show was I sold my BNB and I bought Coinbase. The, 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 the whole I think BNB was like a 300, and Coinbase was in the 40s. And I did a show around selling BNB and buying Coinbase. And this is exactly the thesis that I used on the show. I said, I'm selling BNB because I think it's, the upside is very limited. It's the biggest in the world. And when you're the biggest in the world, chances are you're probably going to lose market share. If you don't lose market share naturally, you're going to lose market share out of regulate regulation regulatory tax, and then I thought, who would be the biggest custodian? Who would be the biggest uh, winner in in this in this legal battle? And I think that long term, Brian Armstrong, because he's run such a clean show, he you know he's run a cleaner show than probably any other. I'm not gonna say any, but most other exchanges in the world. Um, and so you know, if if this industry is gonna survive, and I have no doubt that it will, then. I think that he's got the highest chance of winning the biggest prize. And when I looked at the two market caps, um, for me, it was like, kind of like a no-brainer. to said, look, if I do believe in crypto, um, I'm, then my, and I do believe in crypto exchanges, and then my bet's going to be Coinbase. I asked CZ the same question. I said, CZ, aren't you worried that, you know, as the biggest one, you're going to get attacked? And, you know, aren't you worried that you're not going to continue to grow? And he came and he said, well, um, n- exchanges are about liquidity and network effects. And we have the network effect at Binance, and I remember thinking to myself, "It's a good answer, but it doesn't satisfy what it doesn't satisfy um, me." And I mean, at the time, we we, we got completely out of BNB, um, we, we got completely out of BNB. And I, I mean, I, I'm not saying I'm not saying by the way, I'm not saying that it's the end of the race at all. And maybe
0: I'll be proven wrong, but I'm just saying from a risk return profile it just didn't let, make sense Ryan, let me ask you another question something before we open it up get a market update and open it up to the panel there's something you said yesterday which is something i said in 2018 uh, at least internally and that's we're never gonna see the same thing we saw in 2020 2021 we're never gonna see it again now that regulation is finally here but then the narrative was the same back in 2018 do you still stand by those yes. words and what makes it different this time Yes, I
2: definitely stand by that. We'll never see another bull market like the one we saw in 2017, 2018. And certainly we're not going to see it. We, we got another bull market in 2021. I'm not saying we'll never get another crypto bull market because I actually think we're going to have many, many crypto bull markets. But I just think that they're going to be very different. It's going to be different How? I think the moves are not going to be as big. I don't think that we're going to have um, uh, 10Xs and 100Xs. I don't think that we're going to have VCs buying in. I mean, just, let's just, Mario, let's just, between us, uh, between us and I'm sure we can talk, we can talk pretty openly and I'm sure that no one's going
0: to. I'm very open. Yeah, I'm very transparent A bit too much. Um, it doesn't make sense. I, I, I definitely believe that VCs
2: should make outsized returns for taking outsized risk. And I definitely believe that the smartest VCs should be allowed to buy into early rounds. And, you know, when, when, the, when the company becomes liquid, they should be allowed to sell some of their tokens and at huge premiums. But what I don't believe is that the time from investment to realizing
0: the return should be one week. And this, the, I mean, it, I mean, we were, this is, uh, this, I'm, I'm glad you're bringing it up. Like, sorry to interrupt, but this is one of the, the things, I, I got a lot of slack for saying this. I was with, on stage with Simon Dixon prior to FTX, prior to everything in the early days. This, I said the same thing. The, the, the incentives are so misaligned the way that, that uh, VCs and, and then the VC lockup. So for anyone doesn't know, anyone new to crypto, let me just give the basics and rant, I'll let you continue. But what happens in, in, in the traditional VC world is VCs invest early. okay? So they get the opportunity to make outsized returns. You got a bit of feedback sound, uh, yeah, sure.
2: yeah.
0: Um But then there's a lockup period. There's no liquidity. There, there may never be a liquidity event. So the company could boost, boom in valuation, but then never list and then collapse afterwards. So that's how the traditional VC world works. You invest and you wait years before you possibly get a liquidity event. In crypto what happened is that you'd invest as a VC and you get a a liquidity event within days or weeks because the token lists immediately and there's an immediate unlock for most of these VCs for most of the projects and I don't blame the projects and I don't blame the VCs. I think it's more systemic. The reason I say this is when projects that don't offer that immediate lockup, they just struggle to raise the money as quickly or they get the same valuation. So then some projects don't want to offer that lucker, but they see everyone else doing it and they do it as well. Really good projects didn't. And so I respect them. And that VCs, no, a, lot no. VCs a lot of VCs, a lot of VCs, just one last thing, a lot of VCs resisted from 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 having that unlock. But then when they see all other VCs get that unlock and sell it and cover their principal, so you put in, let's say, you put in half a million dollars in a project, then they unlock, they give you 10% of the tokens, you still, and there's a 10X, you make that 500K back. And then the rest of it is all pure profit. So that's the model that was Sorry. significantly flawed and, and led to herd no,
2: mentality. No, that's one of the models that was significantly flawed in this market, and, and that's why we need some kind of, of of regulation. Regulation, and listen, we're guilty of it. We, we I'm, will be blunt. We, we we we, bought into many. Everyone is. We bought into many projects because we had access, because we have a research team, because we have you know because of because because, and we got lots of these liquidity opportunities. we we, we really did, but, I think what I'm trying to say is, that we will see a bull market. But we won't see a bull market where tokens do 10x and 100x. And I don't think we're ever going to see another bull market where meme coins that, have, that, that knowingly go out into the market and say, we have no use case. This is a casino. We'll go to five, six, seven dollars 700000000 million market caps over a weekend or, or over a week period. I think that those days in the next bull market will be finished. And to be honest, it's, it's great. Let's get, let's get down to business. Let's get down to actually making sure this technology is going to be used as opposed to getting people to use ERC, ERC-20 tokens that anybody can mint with no use case and have money flowing in and out of there and wreck anybody that comes into the space. Like, it's, n- Let's just get down to business, guys. Honestly, let's just get down to business.
0: Go ahead, Scott. We're, we're do done. You, we're done with our rant. Maybe give it a market update and a
1: news update. I've got a panel market update, but I, we should come back to that later because I think you wildly are underestimating human. Creatures. I I agree with you. I'm not as I'm not as optimistic literally, as Pe- Pepe is literally happening like this month, and we're talking about it's not going to happen again while regulators are scrutinizing. I think that uh, I do agree that it will not be the same. Whereas if you remember in 2017, 18, everything went up 50 or 100x. At the same time, in the bull market or in waves, I think that what we'll see in the future is these sort of pockets, like we've seen with Metaverse summers or NFT summers and DeFi summer, right? Where uh, things and AI, AI summer, hour, yeah. where we have very select groups that go up. But anyways, the market update is, uh, is uh, boring. But I would say that boring is probably good considering the news cycle that we're in. Bitcoin at twenty six six thirty one flat. Ethereum eighteen forty seven uh, stocks. I mean, literally everything is just flat boring. And that's fine because, listen, I think we should just go ahead and set the table and get into this because we have everybody that we need to continue this conversation. Um, David Bailey is here. Uh, We dug in very deep yesterday and and largely based on his tweet, which I'm going to uh, go ahead and pin up in the top of the nest right now, which said, Major custodian about to declare bankruptcy without last minute bailout. Take your Bitcoin off exchanges, even Bitcoin only platforms. Right. And then obviously, uh, as we discussed that death, getting a million calls, as we talked about in the background, the news eventually broke that afternoon. Mike, welcome. Mike Belshi's here, the CEO of Bitco, That BitGo was buying Prime Trust. Now, listen, everybody was sort of uh, positing that Prime Trust was the custodian being discussed. Everybody danced around it and nobody gave the name. Well, now we obviously, now we, we, we can discuss whether it was actually at risk of bankruptcy or whether they're going to be insolvent or what the story was there, why BitGo decided to buy them, whether this is simply a uh, maneuver, you know, to improve BitGo's business, Mike, or whether it was actually a bailout. We, we can get all those things. But clearly, uh, there was some resolution, I, I think, to this, this story. Mike, uh, you there? I'm here. Hi. Hi, man. Uh, I think last time we spoke was a uh, consensus, but not this year. right? I think we sat down. To, uh, and uh, so a uh, lot's happened since then. Uh, I think that the market has dramatically changed. I think we should start to just dig dig in uh, to the the basics. I mean, maybe even just set the table. What is the role of the custodian? What is Prime Trust's core business? What is your core business and why does it matter?
3: Sure. So, um, yeah, let me describe what Bitco does a little bit. Then I'll try to describe a little bit what Prime Trust has been doing a little bit. And then we can talk about the events. You know, it's funny. I, I get into this this uh, the this, this this Twitter Spaces here, which I don't do very often. And you know, this Prime Trust bailout, and I kind of hear those words, and it makes me cringe a little bit. Um, it's not quite uh, how I see things, but um, obviously, it's been a strained time for our industry. And what matters most is that like we're able to keep stability and you know make sure people have their money. Um, so let's talk about what a what a custodian is. A custodian is is a guy that does safekeeping. It's actually a, a pretty simple job. Um, I give you the money, you give it back. Um, qualified custody, which is what Bitco does, um, is the idea that we do that in a, in a regulated context where you know we never commingle assets between clients. We do some reporting around it, and then from a legal perspective, you know, no matter what happens to the custodian, your assets are your assets and never get tied up in bankruptcy. Um, And, you know, there's probably some people on this call that are, you know, still feeling the sting of the Mt. Gox bankruptcy, which is now nine years ago and still not settled. Um, FTX, we'll see how long it takes to get assets back to clients, but it's going to be years, right? Bankruptcy is a really painful, painful process. So the role of the custodian is to kind of help with all this. It's an independent party. It's part of, you know, a critical um, mitigation of risk in trading and markets. And you find custodians in a number of roles in traditional asset classes um, quite a bit. So BitGo's got four trust companies around the globe. We have BitGo Trust New York. That's a New York State Chartered Trust, by the way. DTC, which holds all of the equities of the U.S. trading system, is also a state chartered New York trust company. Um, We have South Dakota Trust in, um, in Sioux Falls. We have a Switzerland trust company and a German trust company regulated at Boffin coming soon in Singapore and Dubai so um, uh, in, in in regards to what we do we tend to hit institutional players and um, you know I've been in the space now over 10 years and you know you hear this not your keys not your coins I totally agree with that and you know for the retail folks that are on this call you know you should be figuring out a little bit about how to manage your money um, and and how to take ownership of it and if you don't need it on an exchange, and if you don't need it in a wrapped form and you're not using it on DeFi, you should absolutely pull it back to safety when you can. Um, and then there's still a real need for institutional side. And this is where all of us want to have trading markets and businesses participate in crypto and digital assets. And when you're talking about businesses, well, you've got to have business continuity, right? Businesses are interacting with people and whether it's, you know, somebody that's just, you uh, a t-shirt vendor that takes payments in crypto they've got a bank account right and traditionally they would have a bank account where they receive money that they 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 get from their the, the products that they sell if they're doing that in crypto they're receiving money again from the products that they sell and typically a business would have an ability for multiple people to be on the account you know if something happens to the ceo the cfo can step in there's controllers and auditors and things so when you're looking at institutional finance, whether it's at a small business level or you know a major financial institution, you always have a need for like this custody component. You don't just give it to the IT guy to put a ledger in his, in his desk drawer. By the way, there's far too much of it that does happen <laughs> even to this day at uh, edge funds across America. Um, but this is the, 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 the product line that, that Bico has been pushing. So we tend to hit businesses. We've got about 1,500 clients uh, around the globe. Um, and, uh, uh, a lot of times those are kind of B to B to C contexts. So we, we work with other businesses. They are the front lines to their clients for whatever business they're carrying out. It could be a payment system. It could be a broker dealer. It could be an exchange. Uh, we provide hot wallets where they can hold direct custody themselves, where we hold one key and they hold two. Um, and then we do a lot of custody these days as well, where we hold all the keys, um, for, for business contexts.
2: So that's what Bispo right. does generally. Um, yeah. So, Mike, sorry, it's, it's Ryan speaking. Just uh, a question about regulation of custodians in, in the United States, where I, I take it that you guys are domiciled. Are you guys regulated? And if you're regulated, like what regulations actually apply to you? How do they bring in crypto regulations? Or how do they bring in old world regulations into crypto?
3: Yeah, we're heavily regulated. So here in the US, we have state charter trust licenses, like I said, in both New York and in South Dakota. So these are two different companies or two subsidiaries. Sometimes we take clients into New York. As you know, New York has some special rules around crypto uh, that started with their Bit BitLicense. Um, the New York trust entity that we have allows us to provide products and services to New York residents. Um, most of our work we do through South Dakota. Um, and you know, sometimes people ask like, why South Dakota? And you may know that like in general, companies incorporate their businesses in Delaware because Delaware has the best uh, uh, laws for for corporations in the U.S. And South Dakota happens to have the best laws for trust companies in the U.S. So there's a, a ton of trust companies in the U.S. out of South Dakota. Um,
2: so, what and we do? Who, who, regu- who, who, who regulates you? Is it
3: is it the SEC? Is it OFAC? Is it uh, is it is it
2: is it the CFTC? Who who's the regulator that you that you guys are speaking? Uh,
3: or we're speaking with. So we we are regulated in New York under New York DFS. We are regulated in South Dakota under the South Dakota Division of Banking. We have a bunch of money transmission licenses across uh, the U.S. We're regulated, of course, by FinCEN. All of us are and, and BSA applies to all of us uh, individually and as businesses. Uh, let me let me ask a tough questions
0: if you don't mind. Uh, first, uh, Mike, appreciate you coming on Spaces. I know you, you rarely do this. Um, so,
3: so why acquire prime trust? Right. So prime trust has been, um, in some ways, a competitor to BitGo. They've built up a business. They do a slightly different business model. Um, and they've got a number of clients that, you know, we could add into, into BitGo's team, Look, we're gonna, um, obviously apply the BitGo platform, uh, and carry that forward for clients. A couple of things we wanted to do here, first off. You know, for the people that are clients of Prime Trust, we want to make sure that they have a strong go forward platform. Bitco can provide that. As a custodian already, you know, we can kind of consolidate these and run them very efficiently between each other. And I mentioned this b 2 b to c um, So the features that, that we offer our clients for how they can go to market um, as a B2C firm uh, are many. And then Prime Trust offers some slightly different ones. They've got more direct kind of ability to take retail, you know, on-ramping of fiat and crypto at small numbers. That's something that we haven't done. So we're not a retail company. We don't want to be a retail company. But we want to make sure that we're providing good service to those that are building B2B2C companies. And we can add some add some real important pieces to our uh, so, to our platform. So, with Mike, the- I'll, I'll ask you another question. So so based on BlockWorks' Blockworks's
0: piece, they needed uh, $25 million. Um, what can you share in terms of how Prime got to this position? Uh, and that's the first question. And then the second question, they lost most of their customers. We were talking about it yesterday. So why acquire them rather than just let them, to be honest, and I'm going to be brutal, but just let them die out?
3: Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first off, uh, I haven't seen the Blockworks article. Um, they basically spent too much money, and you know we're we're still in process with with Prime Trust. So as you know, we're going to obviously go do an exhaustive look, and our intention is to make you know a, a safe landing for for kind of everybody through this process. Uh, I'm not sure I'm 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 able to say yet exactly what things we're going to find. I'm hoping that. It's not. Uh, it's not going to be anything unexpected, but you know we will deal with it as as it comes. And then why why buy it? You're right. They've lost some clients, and obviously so the the, the price is is cheaper as a result of that. Um, but they still have a healthy business, and actually we think we can grow it. And um, using the combination of what Bitco has with you know the pieces that they have and the client base they have, we we actually think it makes business sense. So. Um, yeah, they ran out of money. They spent too much. You know, it's actually a pretty common thing. Bitco has been, you know, in the crypto space for 10 years. We've been through four crypto winters, kind of ups and downs. This is one of the most treacherous business climates to survive through. You got to be ready for the biggest highs, so you got to be ready for the lowest lows, and they kind of keep going in alternating fashion. Um, you know, so there's been a lot of management that hasn't survived that. Uh, I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't say that just because you've done it a few times, you're you're just always out of the out of the woods for the future. But um, you know, not everybody's navigated it super well. Um, I think you know from the investment side. You know, this latest crypto winter, macro winter, whatever you want to call it. You know, there's there's hundreds of companies in the crypto space that are running out of money right now, and they've got about six to twelve months of roadmap left. So, like Prime Trust was one of the bigger ones that ended up running out of money. Um, but you know, hopefully other than that, it's actually not actually a really serious problem and we think we can turn this around.
1: And Mike, they raised nine figures 11 months ago or 12 months ago, correct? And it's a lot of money to run out of.
3: They, they were spending at a ridiculous rate.
0: Spending, but by spending on what? Advertising?
3: Expansion? Uh, just just bl- blowing the money. I mean, you you the the biggest cost that goes into any business is people. um and they just way, way overhired. Um so look i I don't want to get too much into detail of it, but they really did spend a lot of money. and I think I, I don't think the the team there would mind my saying that the the management team had not not managed that well.
1: Right, I mean, they fired their CEO in November, right? So, there's not not altogether surprising that uh, during that period there were some issues.
3: Yeah, that's right. Um, Look, the things that I've I've seen so far are just surprising. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have run the company that way. And you know, Jor, who's come in, I think has done an admirable job in the last six months of really turning that around. You know, they had to do a few different cuts of people um, to kind of get the ship back to a semi-righted place. Um and it's been admirable. So um, you know, they're they're working through it. It's it's really just like, yeah, you spend that kind of money and then you hit a big downturn. And if your revenues are not solid because you tied them too much to just transactional revenue, you could find yourself in a very bad place. Uh, kind of
0: so, so Mike, I'll ask, you, I'll ask you, I'll ask you and we'll we'll move on right after this this one or two more tough questions and you know we left the toughest ones to the end. Is there's been rumors and we tend not to mention rumors here unless we can verify that, but is there holes in the balance sheets that you guys have found as you do your due diligence
3: we're going to go through this and and we won't take this thing if we can't have all clients be righted so um you know if there's any holes that are there like you know maybe there'll be a different uh um a different outcome here but no no we don't have um uh it doesn't make business sense for somebody else to come in and fill a hole uh if you know, that's just money down the drain, right? Um so I wouldn't be talking here if there was some, you know, big insurmountable problem um that's uh, that, that was going to make it not work. Um so I don't know if I'm answering your question you won, enough. You I actually don't I haven't done enough diligence to to know that everything's perfect. Um we do know that they were spending you know a lot of money. There's some management issues that you're concerned about. So the way you approach these is, you know, I've now got a team of legal, financial, regulatory auditors that come in We're it's going to be a heavier diligence than what you would normally do um, because you know, you're picking something up that you got to really understand you know, what the risks are and you know, what risks are we assuming um, as, as we go through it. And you know, that has to add up in a way that still makes business sense. And the previous question you just asked me was like, well, why would you do this? And it's because, well, wait, we do see the ability to do this. bitco has got a strong custodial team. Our compliance team is fantastic. Yeah, so we can uh, absorb this in and start to make it really efficient, but of course that's only true if there's no like, you know, big hole or. Gotcha yeah, the, the, the
0: reason the reason I ask so. this and and beyond just rumors, the reason I ask this is you know, having raised a hundred million dollars last year, we're in the midst of a bear market. For them to be, you know, a year later to be twenty five million dollars in the red, um, just seems very surprising. Um, so i I'm sure you guys will do proper due diligence and. Um, and um, you know, wish you guys all the best with the outcome, Scott. Hey, yeah, see, I, Go just
3: ahead. real quick on the spend that they were doing. I mean, the monthly burn that was coming through like last summer. I mean, it's just it's just shocking, and it's just being spent on garbage on just way too many people that you didn't need, and the market's collapsing around you. Just just mismanagement. I mean, really. <laughs> so uh, you look at these numbers, you're just like, who would do that? It makes no sense. So you know, it's why they had to make some management changes.
4: Hey, Mike, can you speak to the process of what happens if a custodian does go bankrupt? Like uh, as I've tried to do a little bit of research into this, it seems like it's very complicated, much more complicated than you would think. Uh, Would users have access to their funds if a custodian went bankrupt or would it be um, encumbered or locked up in in a bankruptcy process uh, until its conclusion? You know, I wish I were an
3: expert on this. So custodians don't really go bankrupt very often. Um, you know, this is a place where I'm going to sidestep a little bit, but the, the regulators can really help forget about crypto, like people where if the, if the custodians of size are allowed to participate in digital assets, you know, I'm not talking about, you know, oversized participation, but just a little bit, instead of having like a few, you know, relatively small and up and coming, you know, custodians, if we had, just some good medium size and larger size able to participate with some of the load of the digital asset work that's happening in the United States, and investors, retail investors, would be much better protected. And you know none of this would happen. All right. So typically custodians don't take risks, right? And because the traditional firms can't participate because the regulators are locking everybody out, um, instead you know. Smaller firms are having to take on that job, and the market structure doesn't exist, so they're having to build the bridges for how to make that happen. And building the bridges, it takes time to get the risk out—the counterparty risk, the market risk—all these pieces. All right, so we don't usually see custodians go bankrupt, which is why you know you're asking a very good question of like what's going to happen. Um, I think we're going to see a little bit of it's variable based on you know kind of which state it is. So this. Know, if Prime Trust were to fail, that would be Nevada, right? Um, if it were, you know, one of BitGo's entities, it would be, you know, those. Um, and then what's the process? I mean, I think it's going to be there's going to be a significant kind of legal look at that. Good news, look the the books and records will show whose assets are whose. I think where the segregated assets are found, it'll take a little bit of time. I think it be measured in in months that those assets would be returned. And then the creditors would only be fighting over the non-customer assets. So the big difference here between a custodian and like an exchange, um, you know, when you deposit. And by the way, we talked about Coinbase. I also think Coinbase is 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 a generally good actor. You know, they've been building over ten years. There hasn't been market structure. So this isn't intended to be a criticism. But when you when you deposit at Coinbase, you know, it's not going into a trust company. They do have a trust company, but it's not going into the trust company for general deposits. It's going into Coinbase. And, you know, if for whatever reason, the next day Coinbase gets shut down, whether it's, you know, SEC stuff, whether it's a failure or a hack, who knows, you know, all the assets that were deposited at the exchange will be tied up in the, in the bankruptcy. Um, this, is of course, exactly what's happening at, at FTX. Now, FTX was not a U.S. firm, but, um, you know, the same, same principles apply. So anyway, I, I wish I had a, a perfect legal answer. Um, I think it's going to be complex. With a qualified custodian, it's much faster for the segregated accounts to get returned back to the proper owner. Um, but of course, there's going to be a little bit of a look at it. Um, the The thing about a, a qualified custodian is, is the regulator has a regular look at these companies. So you know, we have a ongoing dialogue with our regulators. They know how we do our books and records. If they had to come in and take over, they know roughly what they would see and what the quality of that. Of what they would see is, which allows them to be able to quickly uh, split. Like, okay, here's the client assets that are separate, and you know, there's never been, by the way, a custodian fail in the U.S. ever where segregated customer assets didn't go back to the customer. It just doesn't happen. So, uh, it just doesn't happen that they get tied up with the with the custodian's assets. So the the good news is that whatever failures there are at a custodian will be completely penalized just on the investors of the custodian. Hey, Mike, when you started,
1: you sort of pointed out that you didn't like the term bailout, which is fair. BlockWorks obviously used it in their article as well. Just, just referencing it, why, why do you take issue with that being the terminology? Was this more, as I kind of hinted at the beginning, a strategic business decision? Were they actually not at risk of being bankrupt as was reported by next week?
3: Um, I mean, look, the, their business model wasn't wasn't working, and they were running out of money for sure. Um, but uh, you know, we're able to. And 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 if they were healthy, would we have done this deal? No, we probably wouldn't. They probably would have been looking for a much bigger valuation, and you know, probably it wouldn't make make sense for us to do it. Um, but with where it's at, you know, kind of we're able to do that. The thing I don't like about the bailout is um, <clears throat> I don't know. It puts a it puts a, a negative uh, shadow across everything. And what I hope that people are going to hear out of what's happening now is like, look. We're going to make this thing work and if you're using prime trust uh it's going to be purely an upgrade on the other side of it so maybe this is me reacting from a business side of like i want to make sure the business goes well um which is not intended to be entirely selfish but i recognize as at least partially selfish um i mean that's why we're doing it is to go make sense you don't, you don't but, uh, <laughs> but for for uh, charity uh, obviously yeah so um anyway that's uh i uh, look and, and and the other part of this which i think is good is that if If the industry is able to kind of capture these things and not have uh, financial institutions go down, uh, it actually signals a lot of strength in spite of, you know, the bombs exploding around Binance and Coinbase and Ripple and all that other lawsuit stuff. You know, look, there's a lot going on. I think, you know, several of you have been here all the way for the last 10 years. You know, back 10 years ago was, you know, primarily just Bitcoin. We were all talking about what happens when you finally run into the battle between the government and digital assets. And, you know, if there's one message I get out to like all the Twitter folks that are listening, like we are all on one team. The team, you know, it's not like Bitcoiners versus altcoiners. Um like they're coming after Bitcoin too. And it's about money and it's about power and it's about freedom. And, you know, so right now there's some cases that are around, you know, a number of these, you know, in the secondary chains. And I'm not trying to comment on the strength or weakness of it. I think there's some legitimacy to, you know, what you guys were talking about earlier. But, you know, we as an industry have to pull together and make sure that we keep all this stuff going. And we want uh, anybody that's on the digital asset side to be winning these cases uh, with the SEC, because you might think you're safe with Bitcoin, but you're not. You know, that's just the next step.
1: Um, Can we dig into that a bit more? Because that is definitely a very, very, very uh, clear belief in this space and one that I also refute, but I would love to hear your... Your take on that?
3: Well, my take is again, money and power kind of overlap, and we have a we have a brand new model here, and there's a lot of people making money on the traditional financial system, and it's got its strengths and weaknesses. The good news is that software has invaded, you know, into the financial system for the first time. We've crossed the moats, the regulatory moats, which kept software out. Now we've got innovation. It's a global scale. So it's no longer, you know, partitioned, you know, neatly by nation's borders. These are problems that have never been solved before. And so now there's a new way to, to do it. And there's a fight going on for who gets control. Um, and it's not so much about is it a digital asset, is it Bitcoin, is it a store of value, is it a smart contract? No, it's about power. So we have to have these fights. It's great that the fights are happening now because they happen sooner or later, you know, and if they're going to happen, I'd rather be in the fight and go figure out what happens next, than not be. Um, but this is this is a big shakeout that's going to happen in terms of figuring out what what the rules of the road are going to be. Um, and although Bitcoin has so far, you know, been unscathed through this, you know, it will be the next step because um, we're talking about a major financial upheaval and and that's a major shift of power. And of course, you know, people that are in power don't give up power without a fight. So um, anyway, um, I think kind of bring it back like the ability for our industry to uh you know bail out or you know merge together with other small firms to make sure that clients and investors are safe is awesome um if we can continue to do that you know, regardless of where your own personal financial net worth may be tied whether you're part of the xrp army or the Chainlink marines or the whoever else you know um we can be fighting together actually to help make change in the digital asset space and um yeah, I think it's important to jump in.
4: Yeah, my, my only question, Mike, first off, I'm very glad you're stepping into this deal and, and kudos um, kudos for, for uh, picking up the torch here. Like I, I think a three month lockup you know or some period of time where users couldn't access their funds would be a major black eye for the entire industry. Um, and so you know, thank you for, for uh, taking the chance here. Um, the one, the one question I have and concern, uh, is like, let's say, um, for whatever reason, BitGo decides to step away from this, um, and there is that lockup period, uh, is there also a clawback risk? Like, could, could a custodian be subject to a clawback risk similar to how FTX users are? And could you see basically people who have no idea that their funds are connected to this and are seen several hoops away? um, uh, it still be affected. I mean, like
3: you're getting into a, a really complex legal question. I don't know what I've seen from the, the legal procedure. I mean, as you know, like Bitco didn't work with FTX prior to the collapse, but the new management team, you know, they needed a custodian, uh, after the collapse. And so they moved all the assets over to Bitco. Um, I get a little bit of look at, at what's going on. And of course, read the news like you do. I don't know. The bankruptcy code appears to be maybe the one thing that's more antiquated than our financial markets, frankly. <laughs> um, the good news, is it doesn't happen as often. So I think it's less pressing to uh, like have like a smooth transition on bankruptcy code, but it's really complicated. Um, so I, I'm just not expert enough to be able to give you actually any answer that wouldn't just be you know, pretty wild speculation. Um, but yeah, bankruptcy is... You know, it, it's a mess, and it's also you know different in every state, and of course, there's federal, right? it, it's federal. It's an it's a mess. Um, it's it's a very different picture, though,
5: right? Because in FTX, customer deposits were a claim on the company, whereas trust uh, accounts are not property of the company; they're separate. And so, I don't believe you're going to have that risk at all. The only risk is if there's a fraud. There's no allegation of fraud, just to be clear. Uh, then that's a different story. But I have a question for you, Mike. So. You have a non-binding term sheet prime trust is losing money they've lost a lot of customers who's providing the liquidity bridge to ensure they can continue um, operations and when do you expect the definitive docs to be signed so the deal is actually completed
3: to some degree i get into a you know i, I got a deal i gotta kind of keep quiet a little bit You know, i don't want to have you know this call be affecting any negotiations or things that we have to discuss later. So I'm mostly going to sidestep it. Um, But as far as I know, they are able to operate right now just fine. And um, uh, we are obviously going to go into diligence and try to run through this process as quickly as possible, because I think that's the thing that we do to get the best um, business on the other side of it. So you were buying, was it customers or capability? You,
5: You alluded to the fact that they have the ability to access a retail account base Their largest customer was Binance and they provided a fiat ramp to Binance and Binance has issues. So it doesn't look as much revenue there. So what just if you could be a little bit more precise on what exactly were you buying customers or or some kind of capability or some type of new
3: market opportunity? This is acquiring the whole thing. So um, it's a it's a full company purchase. Um, I mean, I mean, the motivation, the central motivation
5: that animated the the deal.
3: It's a combination, of, I mean, it, it's everything, right? So look, there's people over there, there's some good people uh, in terms of the team, there's some good clients, there's some business, there's some capability. Um, and uh, we, we can take all of that and we can run it more efficiently than they can. Um, so that's, that's the main thing. And then how, how we, we navigate this path, you know, look, we're, we're, we're just getting started on it. So um, number one, wanna make sure we shore up the business so that it can kind of continue. Um, and I think we'll get there pretty quickly and then there'll be some, uh, machinations to affect the combination. Um, and, uh, uh, hopefully in the end, we have just like a stronger product and service and like everybody forgets that we had this call and, um, it's off the races. Do you need regulatory approval on this transaction? Yeah, of course. I mean, uh, anytime that you're doing a change of control of, uh, uh, a regulated financial institution, the regulators have to be part of it. Um, we don't anticipate any problems. We've already spoken to regulators. Um, regulators are usually um, pretty sympathetic because they also, uh, you know, they take a lot of pain if something fails. Mike, uh, let me let me ask. So so the reason
0: you see me a bit hesitant, there's just one question I've been asking permission to be able to ask it to you, and I finally got permission. So there's rumors, and, you know, those are rumors, but the sources give me enough confidence to at least ask the question. Is The rumors are that one... Um, a custodian has lost the private keys to one of their wallets. Um, we don't know who it is. Um, we don't know more details, um, and this is unconfirmed. Have you heard those rumors? And uh, have have you are you deep enough in the DD to know whether this could apply to Prime Trust?
3: Uh, I've heard the rumors too, but I you know don't know where that is. I can tell you, it's not Bico. Um, you know, we spend a lot of time. Making sure that we got those things uh, nailed down and figured out. So, um, look, we've got more diligence to do to make sure that we know everything that we need to know. And, and um, uh, I anticipate we'll be able to get through this all And the but,
0: Last question. Um, I, I, how I deep are you in the DD? Yeah. That's the last question. And and by the way, I uh, want to, again, give you a massive shout out for coming up and having these discussions. This is the, the transparency we need in the ecosystem. So So hats off to you. But last question, uh, now that I've given you uh, taking my hat off for you, is uh, how deep is have you gone into the DD?
3: Well, we're we're just getting started, right? So, um, I mean, it's it's early, and as I alluded to before, um, you know, diligence is a complex topic, and uh, you know, we're doing coordination meetings now of really getting some some pretty pretty big teams involved. Yeah. Mike,
0: Um, I don't have any more questions. I think it was a, a really interesting conversation and one that I appreciate. So, um, you know, you've got more BitGo fans here in the audience now.
1: Any more questions from the... Yeah, I, I, think, I, I think there's a 100% chance that everybody wants this to go through, wants uh, this industry to proceed with confidence and in all of our, obviously, platforms. And the best news is that this goes off without a hitch, and this is uh, far in the rear view, and that BitGo continues to uh, be the reputable, credible company that they are, which I think we all expect. Mike, I, I know you had one more thing to say, but then also then I want to jump to Bill, uh bar hide after mike you uh finish up here because bill abra obviously is listed as one of the current clients of prime trust so
0: yeah I, I was gonna ask bill like are you feeling more or less comfortable after this discussion including my last question and let
3: me see if you've blocked me yet you have not cool um go ahead you want to By the way, you know bill and i bill and i have known each other since uh i don't know 25 years i guess back to all the way to netscape um so i don't know we uh didn't see each other for a very long time and then suddenly we found ourselves in the crypto space i don't know seven or eight years ago together um and but mike if you
0: guys didn't step in i'll ask the last question sorry but if you guys didn't step in and prime trust if the rumors were true earlier rumors that prime trust would not survive next week if prime was to fall um and none of this is a hypothetical that is behind us now uh, assuming all the dd goes well uh, what does that mean for the ecosystem and i'm asking that question because i'm seeing it in the audience questions uh, for the audience, there's bottom right corner, that purple circle. That's where you put your questions. But I've seen people uh, confused. Like, Mario, is, how major is this? How how large are they? Because I know they've gotten a lot smaller over the last few months and years. Um, and what does that mean for the ecosystem if the deal does not go through? And I'm talking about worst case scenario, which is uh, seems like it's behind us.
3: Yeah. Um- well, look, I think the rumors are always get, they get a little bit more dramatic and more um, worried than than they, they need to be. So first off, the rumors are probably worse than <laughs> than anything else. Um, and then in terms of how bad would it be, Prime Trust is a significantly smaller custodian than Bicco, um, pretty much by, by every measure. Um, now, if you were at that company and it failed, you know, hopefully it would be an orderly unwind. So remember we had Silvergate Bank, um, which was the first bank to fail? We um,
0: it didn't. It, I know them very well. You know, we were we were I mean, the first ones. They came the one of the executives came on this show before anyone was talking about Silvergate, uh, went through questioning, and then that led to the fall of the dominoes. So me and Silvergate go back, <laughs> go back, and they don't like me.
3: All right. I mean, look, I, I I've said it before. I mean, the problem that, that Silvergate had, you know, that they were victims of their own success. We had a hundred percent of the, the the trillion dollar asset class running its banking through, you know, Silvergate Bank, a little tiny, you know, South uh, San Diego uh, state state bank, um, what we should have had is instead of 100% at one bank, we should have had 1% of, you know, money flowing through 100 different banks. And then this, that that never would have happened. But anyway, that was an orderly unwind, right? And I, I suspect it's still ongoing. I don't know. I haven't heard of any, um, any significant uh, problems there. Um, and uh, I would anticipate that if Prime Trust were to fail, or if anybody else failed, um, you know it's probably a, a, an orderly unwind process. Uh, the regulators would step in. Um, now, this is not FDIC insured assets, right? So, um, if if money's missing, that's where you run into problems. But if you've got if your job has been done right and you have segregated assets, um, and then there's there's absolutely no reason why it should be anything on, other than. Uh, orderly and just take a little bit more annoying time, but not not too long.
1: Hey, Bill, we're not going to talk about the olden days at uh, Netscape again, but I would love to hear about your take on what's happening here. Obviously, uh, as we mentioned in the space yesterday, you know, a year ago on the website for Prime Trust, they had you know sixteen uh, named clients, huge names, Strike, Kraken, etc. Well, now it was down to six and they put a big strike through Swan. We had Corey here yesterday and said he did, no longer does business with them. He was up earlier. You do. Uh, so I'd hey, love to yeah. get some context.
6: <laughs> yeah, sure. So uh, first of all, I think this is a great potential outcome. And so I think it's great that Mike was in a position to come on uh, and and give the details. So kudos, Mike. Thank you for doing that. Yeah, we, uh, we used to use Prime Trust for custody going back over a year ago, I guess. We don't do that anymore. Prime Trust is not a in-house technology platform. They outsource custody to our blocks, I believe, solely, I think. Anyway, um, as we changed our product roadmap, we, we brought most of that um, in-house, to ma- in-house to manage ourselves. Um, so the extent of our relationship with Prime Trust right now is ACH wire processing, and so we don't leave any amount of money on the site and we have other providers that are able to process wires for us so we wouldn't really miss a beat if they were to go offline uh we have redundancy there so look i i also know jor the interim ceo i think he did inherit a mess and to his credit he's done what he can to to right the ship within reason um and uh like I said, it doesn't really impact Abra one way or the other, given that we have redundancy on wire processing, except to say that I think it's better for the crypto space if there's a good outcome here for everyone involved. And, you know, assuming there's no uh, glaring holes in the balance sheet, it sounds like they're on a path to doing that. So, so uh, we should all- I wasn't 100% aware. Use... Okay, go ahead, Rand, sorry.
2: I'm struggling to see who's actually affected yet because if I look at the client list, it was like Abra and four others, including Swan. But if you're saying that,
6: that Abra is hardly a client and
2: Swan's no longer a client, who is Prime Trust actually servicing? Well, I,
6: have, I would speculate that a lot of clients are trading shops, hedge funds, folks that were probably difficult to bank in the crypto space who probably don't want their names on a website. Um, so, so like I said, I, my pure speculation is it's probably a bunch of clients that don't want to be named right, in the hedge fund world or are probably difficult to bank otherwise. Um, but I really have no no insight into that.
1: Bill, yeah, you said that they custody with Fireblocks. So Prime Trust was effectively a pass-through and they were just a third party that was connecting their clients through to
6: actually custody at Fireblocks? That's my understanding. I don't think they had any in-house technology Mike May know better than I now that he's been digging in, but but uh, I was not aware that they had any in-house um, physical custody capabilities as it relates to crypto at all.
4: That
3: is correct. Um, so they were using... Well, so, so Fireblocks often gets lumped in as a custodian. Remember, Fireblocks is not a regulated firm, so they provide wallet technology. Um, I think sometimes they may take all the keys. I'm not entirely sure um, how they how they fully operate, but um, they're not they're not a qualified custodian, but they are a wallet platform and uh far, sorry Prime Trust them. Yeah, that's my understanding as well. Perfect. Mario, did
1: you want to uh, talk about Binance? Yeah, man. Like the, the, for me, this is the the
0: story that that worries me the most. Hold on, before before we talk about balance,
2: I, I want to jump in here just before we finish on, on Prime Trust, Mario. You mentioned that you heard rumors that a custodian lost keys. In those rumors of the custodian losing keys, do we know what the the numbers are? Is anybody throwing around number the, of like dollar values and?
0: and yeah, like there's that? more to the rumor, and it's it's a pretty concerning rumor, but I can't share more especially not on a, on a public stage but no, know it, if it's not prime i'm feeling comfortable because my only guess would be prime trust and i'm sure mike would do the proper due diligence um but i'm sure like all i can say is that if mike spots this i'm pretty confident the deal won't go through but i'm also pretty comfortable that mike knows the room already as he said and he's even though it's early in the due diligence process you know, these things don't don't take too long to spot. And I'm sure they would have been discussed early. So I'm, I'm pretty comfortable that this rumor is um, is, uh, is safe. Uh, safe. Yeah, I, I, look, again, I, I, on one side, you can't spread FUD. But on the other side, you have a responsibility to, to talk about things. Because what I considered FUD prior to mm. FTX, almost all of it became uh, true, including that, you know, we had information about that media company that turned out the CEO is getting paid by Sam. Remember that? Can't remember who it was. Uh, who was it? The block. The block. block. Yeah, we knew. We knew. Yeah, the the, we knew about this months ago because someone gave us a whole data room which included this information, but we couldn't. Verif- we didn't mention it, and then obviously it turned out to be true. So um, either way, look, we know that Prime is not is not as big as it was. Um, you know, Mike came here transparently, and and I think I think it's it's. Um, look it, it, for the for the market. I don't think it will hit the market as some of some people might might be worried again prime is not as as big as it was but at the same time from a reputational perspective if things don't go through or the or the rumors are true uh reputationally um you know it's just going to be it's just going to be such a such a big bruise on the eye another bruise on the eye especially during the time when, when the SEC is doing what they're doing in the DOJ so I hope it's not true I'm sick of this shit happening this is a US regulated entity and, um you know I applaud Mike for stepping in and I hope the deal goes through and we move on and and keep focusing on on binance <laughs> happy with the answer You yeah press me more happy
2: with, happy with the happy with the answer I think it's very answered very well uh yeah binance halting well not halting withdrawals but I guess they lost their banking partner if you read the statement from binance it sounds like their banking partner um has been warned either by their compliance or by uh outside parties to say that you know given what you know now about the allegations of the SEC against Binance, possibly you should unwind un- unwind your relationship with them. Um, and that comes on the heels of Paxos also saying that they've completely unwound their relationship uh, with Binance. And I think that uh, Binance have now warned that they're going to become a crypto-only exchange in the US and that they, don't have, they won't have fiat on-ramps and off-ramps within the next week. And they've told customers that they should act accordingly and if they're going to withdraw... To just be uh, patient because
0: because the banks are closed. Ryan, right. right. Does does CZ need to go to court in the US? Because like, some people said yes, others said no. Does it need no, to personally no. appear?
2: Well, so, as far as I understand, no. no. As far as I understand, uh, it's a it's a it's procedural in
0: in this case, and uh, I think you can send your lawyers. I think.
7: That's that's what I understand. I'm not. I'm not. Annoyed. That's my that's my understanding as well. Too. He does not have to physically show up.
0: And Travis, what do we know so far about the uh, uh, DOJ's investigation? What's what has been leaked so far, and what has been made public?
7: Oh, I mean, I, you know, I think as soon as the CFTC report, I mean, look, dude, <laughs> there's been rumors for I think years. I mean, I think you can find DOJ, Binance articles going back in multiple years. But then, you know, I think that the rumor mill around that has cranked up over the last however many months. I think when people saw the CFTC complaint that was filed against Binance at the end of March, you sort of dive into the details of that and you go, okay, this is like definitely looking like OFAT violations, right? They, and the CFTC complaint, if you remember uh, Binance senior compliance officers were making jokes about funding Hamas. If you, if if, I remember that, that was one of the more, more concerning
0: points that came out of it.
7: Yeah. Right. So, so, so even, even with the CFTC complaint, people look at that and they go, okay, DOJ is definitely all over this because this is, um, you know, looking like serious OFAC violations that, that the United States just takes dead ass serious about this kind of stuff. And then, you know, there's been Bloomberg articles. You had the, um, another big piece of this was the Bits Lotto exchange. If you remember that getting shut down by DOJ, I think that was at the end of January. I remember the the DOJ did a press release, a press conference about Bits Lotto and the crypto community was like poking fun at the DOJ because they did a press conference about a crypto exchange that none of us had ever heard of. And then you find out like two weeks later through chain analysis, blockchain forensics, that the number one uh destination for assets from Bits Lotto was Binance. I think there was, I think the number was 700 million dollars total that went from Bits Lotto to Binance. And so, you know, again, like a lot more evidence there than the SEC uh, uh, complaint comes out at the beginning of this week, and it's just incredibly damn so, right? I mean, it's just a stunningly damning. Just a bit, What what does
0: it mean if the, the the DOJ takes action against Binance? How serious is this? And obviously, it just depends on what the allegations are and what evidence they have. But what does that mean for Binance? Because looking at BNB's price and looking at the markets, it seems that this is either it hasn't been factored in, or it has and it's it's been expected for a long time, and it's not really as serious as some people make it out to be.
7: Yeah, so you can't look at BNB price action to try and gauge what's going on here because BNB is a completely manipulated token does, that does not have real price discovery. You can't trade BNB anywhere in real size other than on Binance, which is a very crucial difference between BNB token and FTT token. FTT was liquid on Binance. You didn't have, when you just think through, The concept of like, you know, I'm worried about an exchange's solvency. I'm holding that exchange's exchange token. I want to sell it, but I have to go to the potentially insolvent exchange to sell or short said token. You can see how that just doesn't make any sense, right? Uh, And that's a big difference between BNB and FTT. But 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 B and B does not have real price discovery. It, it it does not at all. And so, you know, I think the likelihood that you see a B and B price collapse is really going to be a function of how hard the DOJ goes. And I think that's anybody's guess. Um, you know, folks that I've talked to that are pretty familiar with, you know, the kind of regulatory. Criminal, The way these sorts of things work uh, um, in the United States have already been very surprised that a DOJ uh, action has not already been brought. People don't really understand what they were waiting for when CFTC came out at the end of March. You look at the details of that complaint, you go, OK, looks like there's a big DOJ OFAC problem here. SEC comes out. OK, now they really have them dead to rights on OFAC violations. Really, really dead to rights guilty and then so now everybody's just kind of waiting on DOJ, and it's like you know i think you you just sort of think through goal posts and i think at one end of the goal post you have a slap on the wrist that would look something like uh uh arthur hayes and bitmex you know it would be hundred million dollar fine you know this sort of thing i think that would that would be the the most lenient part of the goal post i think that's very unlikely to happen and then on the the most punitive end of the goal post it would be you log into Binance.com and you get the DOJ seizure logo, right? You get the American flag and the bald eagles or whatever. They've seized Binance.com. They issue an arrest warrant for CZ. CZ's in um, Dubai. Dubai. Dubai does an extradite. You know, CZ can't ever go to any country again that has extradition to the United States because he's like a wanted man, basically. And then TBD. On, you know, I think that's kind of the far right end of the spectrum. And I don't know how to weight the likelihood. And then obviously you've got everything uh, in between. It, do, it do, does it one, does, one does. more thing I'll add, and then i yeah, yeah, yeah. One one thing that I think is seeming increasingly more likely. And you saw, I think a week or so ago an article that came out about the potential for, for CZ to step down. Looking into the SEC complaint, in my opinion, it is a done deal that CZ is not going to be running Binance.com a year from now. That looks like a done deal to me. And I think one of the reasons why Uh, That article came out talking about the rumors of him stepping down is because he has probably already offered that as part of some settlement with the Department of Justice and TBD on whether or not they're going to take it or whether or not they're going to say that's not enough. We want to shut this whole exchange down. I don't know but you know it's too damning it's just it's too egregious when you look into the details of and, it and travis
1: those tra- those richard tang taking over rumors uh emerged before the uh sec move against
0: Biden. yeah but well, we've had we've had I'm but, but, but so, so, yeah. we've had we've had whispers about um binance expecting uh the sec uh, investigation or the allegations or, or the charges the sec charges Never. And not, yeah forever, but like they, they knew it was imminent, according to some sources, even though CZ tweeted that they surprised
7: and they didn't see the charges, etc. Um, but just going back to no, the.:, yeah, culture, you know, it's worth. Mentioning. I just want to say, you know, Cheng Ping was lying in that tweet, and you know, he lies in- incessantly publicly. That's important to point out, this man lies incessantly publicly. Bruce, you disagree or you agree with the thumbs down. Well, lies. Well, he lied about that. The fact that uh, the fact that he didn't know that the SEC complaint was
8: coming. I mean, I mean, lies about all kinds of things. Well, no, he he said he said he said we haven't read the complaint yet. It's been posted and we haven't seen it yet. You think he was lying about that? Oh, I I mean, I mean, he's obviously been in discussions for for a long time. No, but you just said he lied about that tweet. Do you think he lied about that tweet? I would need to go back and look at the exact wording. of. Well, that. then oh, you you should have looked at the exact wording before you say that. You don't accuse somebody of lying before you know your facts, dude. You should have looked. OK, sorry. Are we, are we, are we going to do and a then No, no, no. Here's how it works, here. Travis. When you accuse somebody of lying, lying and you say that is a lie. And then I say, say do you fact. think it's a lie? You don't say, I'm going to go back and look at the tweet. You need to you need to already substantiate that. When you accuse somebody of lying, you need to have it substantiated already. And you didn't. So don't uh, accuse people of lying. Sure, sure, let, me, <laughs>
0: let me let me ask, Service. Another thing you mentioned about the BNB, and this is, so we've had a lot of a lot of rumors about Binance back when FTX was collapsing, and I'm sure everyone heard a bunch of these rumors. We tended to be hesitant of even talking about those rumors back then, and uh, we we mentioned some of them. But you you talked about BNB's price action and not ha- and not having any price discovery. Um, can you elaborate more on this? And and do you think? That the price, the BNB's price, could be superficial, and I'm starting to look into those uh, those allegations just because we're, we're we're deep down into that rabbit hole now. And after
7: seeing the CFTC complaint and SEC's charges, well, I mean, the number one factor for BNB is that you cannot trade it in size, not on Binance. What size? So what size uh, I, is uh, you know it, what size are you talking well, about? Well, just just go to just go to Coin Market Cap, pull up Binance, bnb token go to the markets tab and have a look for yourself and i think it trades i think two percent of the daily volume trades on kucoin so you can get like two percent of it you can trade you know not on binance basically i had no idea and so it's just it's just and yeah, it's just not real price discovery. And, and, and another thing I'll mention
1: Period, not in a single trade, right? I mean, you're right. Talking about right. Kukun, having that for 24 hours is 2%. You're not saying you can pull 2% in a single trade. That's exactly right.
7: Yeah. And without getting into too much detail, yeah, I mean, I've traded this market, you know, full time for five. You have traded many, many billions of dollars of cryptocurrency in my life uh, from a quantitative perspective as well, too. Lots of proprietary statistical models, automated execution, all this kind of fun stuff. I also talk to guys all day that have, you know, are multi-cycle crypto investors with a quantitative, you know, bend or perspective to the way they approach the markets. There is consensus that BNB trades very strangely, very, very strangely. Uh, when, you, when you dig into looking at the open interest profiles versus the funding rate profiles versus the CVD profiles, um, it's, it, it is a very unnatural set of quantitative data around bnb token and you know if you just think about like how much two-way flow do you think bnb token has had over the last six seven months it's been very one way there's been a lot of guys that don't want to hold bnb or don't want to hold nearly as much as they have held uh and it's been my base case that shangping has been catching that and it's also my base case that uh, he's been uh, bidding BNB with customer funds. I do not think he has all the customer funds on Binance.com. Um, there's too much smoke around this whole thing for there to not be any fire. Uh, and he knows that by any means necessary, he has to protect BNB's price action because if that token collapses, this is all over. So he is willing to dig himself into a whole Sam Bankman fried style because if he doesn't, it's all over, anyways. So the walls are definitely closing in around Chen Ping right now, and I think it's probably going to come down to what happens with the DOJ. Okay, so Travis, before before Dave, you jump in. Um, one thing I promised myself to never do
0: again is to to be worried about speaking about the big guys in a negative light, just because it could impact our business. So and I learned that after FTX. You know, remember the days FTX was sacred, and even though everyone saw red flags, no one really talked about them because you know we're talking about spf the jesus of crypto in in uh, washington um and i don't want to do that again but at the same time i do want to stick to what we know i've had we know we've done spaces on binance and we have our concerns and and we've had reputable people come up and just mention very valid concerns um but i'm still you know I've, i've always had confidence in in cz and binance um two questions i have um number one you're talking about the trading activity of bnb can you just dig into it a bit further, what you're referring to and who you've spoken to and who else has been, been concerned about this? Um, and, and number two is, um, it, does anyone know how long he's been in Dubai? And I know he's he's been here for a long time. Bruce, you probably know. Um, but has he left Dubai? Has he traveled outside of Dubai? To, when was the last time he was in the US, for example, or Canada or, or Europe? Does anyone have any idea? And obviously, I'm not implying anything, just uh, me being curious.
7: Yeah, there's no I'm referring to other people that are active traders that take a quantitative approach to this market that like me have spent, you know, a number of years looking at esoteric quantitative data associated with specific crypto assets to try and glean, you know, actionable insights from that quantitative data. I've taken that approach to this market for multiple years. I've traded many billions of dollars of crypto from that approach. I talked to other guys exact same seat. And there's consensus among that group that it that the quantitative data is just strange on BNB. There's a there's a number of different things around that. I mean, one simplistic thing to look at is look at trading volume, look at market cap divided by trading volume, and look at that for BNB versus other tokens. I mean, BNB is an an enormous market cap. What is it? Number three, number four, whatever it is, right? I mean, it's enormous market cap trades very little volume relative to the other size cryptos around that amount. so when you look at it on a multiplier effect something looks weird and then if you just dig further like I said, into the open interest profiles into the funding rate profiles, into the CVD profiles, you know and without getting into you know too much minutia around quantitative trading of crypto assets. but it's just it's 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 completely unnatural and everybody else that looks at the data feels the exact same way.
0: And does anyone have I've got more questions for you Travis but does anyone have any clarity on on CZ? um having left dubai bruce do you know
8: uh, i'm friends with them i've seen him in dubai many times i know he lives in dubai you know i don't get into where people are or what their personal stuff is but but i think he's been public about being yeah no, we know that one yes always- which is which is which makes sense by the way there's thousands of people that are that are, uh, you know, there's thousands of of entrepreneurs that are.
0: I'm, to I'm, I'm a Bruce. I'm a Dubai person. I never knew Dubai had no extradition extradition laws. Uh, that one,
8: that's that's. I call me stupid. My God, I I it's about. I think I think the appealing thing about Dubai is that you, you know it's a regulatory and friendly environment. You can actually talk to the regulators. They're clear. They want to work with business. They want to welcome business. They view they view business and investors mm. as
6: you know um, they're. they're
8: let me, let me go back to Binance, if you don't mind. And Travis and Dave,
0: I, I'm going to give you the mic as well. Feel free to interrupt me, Dave, as well. But the, the question to the panel, and obviously I'm going back and forth with Travis, is about, um, I always look at the inflows and outflows as an indicator of the health of an exchange. Because um, we obviously said we can't look at the BNB token for valid reasons. I had no idea 98, just under 98% of the trading volume of BNBs on Binance. Um, again, call me ignorant, but I had no idea it was that large. Um, so so the next question, and that's, that's pretty... Um, pretty crazy uh, but the next question is um um the inflows and outflows out oh, of binance okay. how, how do they look anyone yeah go ahead uh, i think david you were jumping in
9: yeah i mean I, it's really that statistic is really the misleading
0: the 98 percent. okay please elaborate
9: yeah and the reason well uh, for two reasons actually first and look it's significant but be it member binance allows you to trade BNB BNB as a base currency against all the other assets on their platform. So it's just like when you look at Bitcoin volume. Bitcoin volume is not what CoinMarketCap says, because you can trade a lot of other tokens on many exchanges with Bitcoin as a denominator. You really need to look at the numerator trades, and I don't think anybody breaks that out. So that's that's thing number one. It's really important to understand that, because in crypto, in digital assets, and frankly, what what assets will trade like in, as we approach, you know, 20 years from now, I I don't know when in the next 20 years, but I think all assets will trade in pairs. And so you need to look at the target currency or the target of the asset that you're looking at. So if you look at BNB, I was just doing some math, uh, right now, Binance on the order books, if you'd compare the order book on KuCoin, Bybit, Okex, and Binance, both on the buy and the sell side of the market for a couple million dollars, uh, of BNB, Binance is about two thirds. Of the liquidity, which is incredibly significant. Don't get me wrong; Travis is not wrong about that. Most of the bids and offers are there. The other thing that's interesting about the order book for a million or two million dollars is it's reasonably symmetrical, uh, not indicative of of someone needing to you know uh, push up the price. You know, it's not like an underwriting situation. Now that said, uh, obviously. You know, in size, I think you'll find that the only bid in size is probably on Binance. I think Travis Mayberry will be right there, but I have absolutely no data about that. The data and the order books are pretty consistent, and there there's a fairly healthy data. As far as Travis's point about it being strange, uh, I think there's probably truth to that, but the thing he cited is totally is it's just a terrible fact for that that argument. <laughs> and that's because the vast majority of BNB is being used by people to hold BNB, so they get the cheapest tier rates on Binance where all the institutions are trading. So well
7: Dave, what, Dave, my that's, that's my, my point was that there's not price discovery in BNB token outside of Binance. That was my well, what, point. Okay. Well, so when I so when I wake up in the morning on the and BNB token that is in, whatever BNB's tokens right. price. To, 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 and then Joe, how fair is that price? How do I, how real is that price relative to the price of Bitcoin relative to the price of Ethereum
9: relative? Could I agree right. with you violently, but explain it in data just for the audience might actually find it because you're not wrong. Uh, I'm not disagreeing with you, but I want to make it really clear. If you look at the, the important point to me is Binance's market cap is, is very high relative to its market cap, the amount you could trade before you punch through the top of book liquidity uh is dramatically lower than other tokens dramatically so, dramatically. so 1 to 2 million dollars you can do within you know half a percent or so you get to 10 million dollars it's 5% to put that in perspective in bitcoin i mean i we have clients at coin who trade bitcoin all day long uh you want to trade 10 20 30 million dollars you know we you're talking basis points uh right. if you're smart about it if you use the right algorithms and even the order book is only, you know, a $10 million is basically, you know, less, well, less than a percent ether, slightly less liquid than Bitcoin, but still Binance is an entire order of magnitude less liquid and considering where it is. So, so Travis is not wrong, but I think that you need to understand that part of that is because of the dominance of Binance. Now I personally think just like in March of 2020, before March of 2020, BitMEX at 80% of the derivative volume And then that is no longer true. And then FTX was becoming a reasonably large percentage derivative volume. And that's no longer true. I suspect that volumes will migrate to where people feel safer with their assets and with better technologies. But the truth is that the BNB token right now, a huge percentage of it is being used basically to uh, get discounts on your Binance trading. And that is however you want to look at that there's value there. Now, the only question that I have for you, Travis, because I think it's a really important question, is where's the data that suggests that CZ has a hole in his balance sheet that he needs BNB to pledge as collateral elsewhere? Yeah, that was my next question as well. The biggest difference in the FTX world, Sam and company stole, lost, gambled away, whatever, eight to $10 billion of dollar collateral, and then plugged the hole with manufactured FTT that wasn't being used by anybody that was from Treasury. And that's why when FTT collapsed, FTX collapsed because it was accepted as good collateral. There is no version of of the reality where any firm, including Binance's own or CZ's own trading firms should be able to post BNB without a massive haircut because of what you said, Travis, to dollars. So if in fact BNB is being used as collateral, then that is a very very large red flag but the point that I'm making is it's if and I don't know that answer and I know you and Mike Alfred both believe that that's happening and and frankly it's a serious accusation and I am not saying you're wrong once again I'm just curious what do you know in terms of Bnb's use as collateral because that's really the essence of the issue
7: yeah no the 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 <laughs> I think most people on this space know this the The point of my my point of reference for this is as the 18th largest creditor in the FTX bankruptcy, had the large majority of our funds assets that were on FTX at the time of collapse. uh, Never in my wildest dreams would I would have thought that Sam Bankman-Fried would do what he did. The collapse happened the way it happened. We were right in the middle of it. And a few weeks later, I started looking at the setup. Uh, with Changping, and with bnb token and with binance smart chain all the weird stuff going on with binance smart chain inexplicable uh wallet movements token creations nobody can get none of the none of the the blockchain forensics guys can get much of a handle on bsc you look at binance pegged busd um the weirdness that was going on there And on December 9th, I wrote a tweet thread, got pretty good traction, said, not trying to fear monger, but it has to be said. If you have assets on Binance or Binance US, take them all off now. Don't wait. Also, if you're holding BUSD, you should sell that immediately. This is coming from a guy that lost a ton on FTX because I misjudged the exact same setup. And... Uh, I said I don't know how much hard evidence there is against Binance at this point, but I don't know how much hard evidence there was against FTX six days before its collapse either. Which I, which, which is that's my point. I, I can't put together some rock solid blockchain forensics, wallet movement proof that Cheng Ping is using customer assets and that there's a hole in a balance sheet. I cannot do that right now, but nobody could have done that prior to the FTX collapse. So you just look at the magnitude of the smoke around this whole thing over the last six, seven months, the allegations that have come out, oh, as it turns out, BUSD did have a billion-dollar-plus hole in its collateral multiple times over a multi-year period to the point that Paxos fucking pieced out. Paxos is out. It's like, the, it's, it's like more than half their business was that, and they, they, we can't do this anymore.
1: Right and then the well, the, out- well, the regulator out- had something to do with that, Travis. I mean, maybe you know or have more context. Just to be clear, because obviously, I mean, they came after Paxos for BUSD, coincidentally not for USDP, which was a uh, Paxos own stablecoin. But I, I, I'm not clear that Paxos decided to back out or whether they were forced out. Okay, all right. Well, but it's not.
7: It uh, Binance admitted to a billion-plus dollar collateral hole in Binance peg BUSD. They admitted that it's in it's in a bloomberg article with commentary from from Biden. what does that what does that so that stuff so that that yeah i was gonna add, well just travis, if you can explain travis you you, I'll you, let you, you start you start to paint a picture you start to paint a picture with all of this then you include the cftc complaint you include the sec complaint and you paint a picture of wildly commingled funds like, it just, like, it's just a big fucking slush fund back there, the exact same way that Sam Bankman-Fried was doing it at FTX. The exact same way. Like, there's just not good books and records and segregation, and there's a mountain of evidence that is piling up that that is the case. A lot of real quick. no fire.
9: Yeah, I mean, look, Travis, uh, I... <laughs> I want to be really clear. I am not defending Binance here. I am not attacking them either. I'm just trying to understand. And so it's there's a big diff There are two big differences. First of all, uh, Alameda it lost a shit ton of money, uh, and it was pretty clear that they lost a shit ton of money. We all understand it. And what what you didn't know, what we didn't know. And and look, I didn't lose money in, in anything seriously because our company doesn't trade. But I personally was fooled too. So I am not going to complain or second guess anybody saying this. I wanna be really clear. I feel horrendous for all the people that, that Sam screwed. But the real question here is the ultimate cause of, of FTX going kaboom was there was a massive hole, multiple billions of dollars relative, which way outstripped their revenues. And they plugged it or tried to with a shitcoin coin that had no liquidity. Now if Binance is incredibly massively profitable, which they are, the question is, have have they spent or lost money well in excess of that profitability? And are they plugging that hole with BNB? And, you know, look, the the best thing for everybody would be an orderly uh, transition of Binance, probably with much less market share, with much more disclosure, et cetera. We're not going to lie about it, but it's really important to, to, to understand those things. And, and frankly, The the point that I take away from what you're saying, and and it is really critical what you're saying, is that these are the questions that have to get answered. And if they don't get answered, just just arm-waving around regulators being bad actors, doesn't answer those questions. And I think that's your point more than anything else.
0: Dave, the question after you seeing what you've seen now with the SEC, with the CFTC, and the leaks with the DOJ, um, and obviously we've all heard the rumors during FTX's collapse, Um, how concerned are you,
9: Dave? Very, but, but, but my concern is not for the health of digital asset industry, which I think is, I'm I'm uh, talking about just finance. Yeah, I'm very concerned. Look, you know, Scott and I talk all the time, um, you know, and there, there are two things in the, in the crypto world that I absolutely can't stand. Both are real problems. And we agree. One is hero worship for the people who got there and people getting too big for their britches and doing things. And I, and, and, and I really equate that to the opacity, which is what Travis and Mike, Alfred and others are, are really focused on. That opacity is incredibly troubling when you're in the market leading, you know, the, the highest volume, of course, whether or not your volume is real or not is a question, but it's very, very troubling. But there are a lot of people who are trading there. A lot of our clients are trading there. A lot of other people are trading there. And so the concern is obviously real and, and I think based, based on the, the comment Travis made about smoke, I mean, yeah, you know, you have to be concerned. It's also very concerning that people like CZ become the face of the industry so that it gives regulators who are acting in bad faith and, you know, politicians who have a, a hit, an agenda, uh, to, you know, basically as Mike Belshi so eloquently said, you know, the anti-freedom agenda, they get to personify Freedom in such a bad light, so that that that's actually my biggest single concern here. So, and the other thing is on meme coins, and we could talk about that ad nauseum. But but as far yeah, well as finance is concerned, yeah, there's serious concern because of the reputational risk of the industry.
0: And you, do you remember, guys, the discussion about the proof of funds after FTX and the, the whole merkle tree uh, concept? And, and Binance was leading the charge. Binance, I think, kraken Jesse was on the stage and was talking about it as well. Um, What has Binance offered since? Because this kind
1: of discussion about the proof of funds kind of died down over the last few months. That's because people pointed out that we really have not gotten proof of liabilities at any exchange. And a proof of funds, which, by the way, you can't even go with with these rabbit holes, is effectively impossible on its own. But then when you try to add liabilities or what they view as assets and liabilities, it becomes literally effectively impossible.
0: And has anyone looked at the inflows and outflows at Binance? Does anyone have any clarity there? Not, uh, I know I, I remember the numbers back in FTX, but have we seen any outflows in the last few days since the uh, SEC announcement?
7: They have I have the been, data. They have not been significant, yeah, relative to what the proof of reserves number is. Right.
1: I mean, were you asking just, about outflows, Mario? I have the data right here. the The news broke on June fifth, a one point two billion out of Binance. June sixth, seven hundred one million. June seventh, seven hundred eighty three million. June 8th, 224 million. Today, so far, 176 million. So about 3 billion total. And that's from 63 billion down to, you know, mid fifty-nine billions total. So not a dramatic percentage of their assets. And seems to be that the uh, tap is slowing. But there definitely, I mean, was about 3 billion total this week in um, outflows from Bitcoin.
0: And for memory, back in FTX, we saw inflows into Binance because everyone kind of initial outflows and then kind of. Uh, be- started moving to inflows because everyone started trusting Binance as the only exchange rather than having self-custody. Does anyone remember the
8: numbers then and how it compares? Yeah, there was like 3 billion in one day, I think, because tw- CZ tweeted about it. I-, I was having dinner with him at the time with a group of other people and he mentioned it and he said like, hey, we're just having dinner, a bunch of crypto people, Bitcoiners and we had 3 billion in assets or something like that over like I think a couple day period. So I mean, I think it's important to note that they have had stress test and the accusation that they're the same as FTX is a super, super serious accusation because you're basically saying that it's it's not just paperwork violations, as are alleged, but outright theft and fraud. You know, in FTX's case, Sam stole $6 billion or so of customer money. He stole it. He took it right out of the customer money and he put it in his own account, which he called... I mean, Alameda Bruce, of some of, of it was literally being deposited directly into Alameda when customers thought... Yeah, that, that, that Alameda place. is Sam and the customer money went to Sam. You know, Alameda is Sam. He stole customer money. It doesn't matter if he like made a bad trade or bought Lambos with it or bought his parents' houses or all three. He stole it. So the allegation that that CZ is doing the same, he's just stealing money out of the customer accounts and putting his own, is a serious accusation. I think you'd need. Well, well, hold on, Bruce. I want to just say
2: that, I mean, I think you're right. And I want to just say, you know, I don't believe that CZ is doing it. But it wasn't the SEC's. Allegations against him that they moved money to an entity
8: owned by Joe. Yeah, but was it customer money? I mean, let, that's merit peak, correct it. Yeah, Mayor I was Pete, trying to yeah. read through that, and uh, it it doesn't say it's customer funds. You know, the the regulators do this. You know, when you you know, the, I think Travis said, "Where there's smoke, there's fire." You know, there's been smoke around Tether for years. You know, regulators do fud. Remember the huge, huge announcement that the New York Attorney General said? They said Tether does not have the funds under you know that they said they had. It's not back to the dollar one to one. It's not back. It's fake. And it was this huge news and there was all this FUD, a big market drop. And then the then the actual suit came out. It was like $153 on a nine billion dollar asset. I mean, it was like it was like it was like 10 minutes interest or something because of how they moved the account out. It was prorated, some absurd nonsense. So, you know. I don't know. It's 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 thrown around like this idea that everything's a scam, everything's fraud. I think we we have to differentiate between, you know, these kind of paperwork violations where it's well, I mean, Eric Voorhees was just saying the other day, somebody said, you know, unregistered securities are fraud. That's not necessarily true. That's not necessarily true. It's a paperwork violation. They may not be lying to anybody just because something's illegal doesn't mean it's immoral. You know, uh, it used to be illegal to. um, uh, harbor uh, runaway slaves. You know, lo- the law is not morality, um, but it's also not clear, you know. So, so you know, if somebody gets a bunch of a, a bunch of paperwork violations, oh, you didn't fill out this and you didn't fill out that, I think it's a mistake to just lump them all together and say, oh, it's all scams, they're all fraud, they're all crooks, they're all SAM. Because there is differences. There's, there is big, big, big differences. Yeah, yeah, there's yeah, there's I mean, differences between that. Coinbase and, and Binance, and there's certainly differences between all of these companies and FTX and everything else. I think I agree with you. Just we're just making the point that we
2: don't know. What we don't know. Obviously, we know that that uh, that FTX was a real. You know, Sam literally took the money and tried to invest the money for his own personal gain and 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 had big losses. But I just want to do to make the point that that. Uh,
8: and usually, is. when you when you have these things, by the way, where you you, you typically when you have these situations, and they've happened many times. They happened with the chairman of the. Um, Largest regulator, Bernie Madoff, who was a massive, famous fraudster. There's an HBO documentary about him. He was he was a head regulator, head of uh, the largest regulator in America, largest securities regulator in America. He was the chairman of it. And he defrauded people out of billions. He had all kinds of fraudulent stuff. But when you're doing these fake statements and fake assets, pumping them up, that's a common trick that that predates crypto by decades. That's been done a long, long time by a lot of people. But typically when that happens and you have anything resembling a bank run on those assets or you know bernie madoff's thing fell apart when a couple you know wealthy uh people he used to handle people like these steven spielberg famous wealthy people they started saying hey i hear this is shaky can i get my money back and then he's robbing new depositors to give old depositors their money that they think they have you know and in and in this industry that would be like the equivalent of fake bitcoin but you know binance has been through stress tests like that if the three billion dollar withdrawal and the things like that if that if, if the money just wasn't there if it was all stolen or fake there's a much, 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 much higher chance that it would have collapsed just like it's happened yeah, with FTX. So, so, so
0: Travis, that's the point I wanted to make. And I, I don't get, I see, I see me and you would kind of wrap it up your final thoughts on Binance and the market conditions and wrap up the space with that. But Travis, like last question that I have, not sure about Ryan and Scott is, um, Bruce's point is, is 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 the point that uh, that I've been making for a while is that Binance has gone through the stress tests um, and it survived and it came out stronger than, than prior to FTX. Um, so, so doesn't that make it extremely less, a, a lot less likely that they did even close to what Sam did. And obviously if they did, if they did what Sam did, they wouldn't be here today, but if they did at least maybe in the old days, they did some of it or they, 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 they uh, they, they use customer funds. Um, then we would see Binance yeah, in trouble back I, when the outflows I, kicked in and during FTX.
10: Yeah. Look, I, I hate to make this point, but I, but I'll make it anyway in in reading the sec complaint, right like a large part of the problem with ftx was that it was basically lord of the flies over there. there was no controls it was basically a bunch of kids running around with ledgers doing whatever they want putting everything into like a google sheet right that was that was the state of affairs and how ftx ran the business one thing that we've learned from looking through the sec and the cftc complaint about binance is that this is a very tightly controlled operation the people at binance us basically could do nothing Everything was being controlled by Binance Global. And, you know, say what you will about, okay, this is illegitimate and they're breaking the rules and they're watch trading and all this stuff. But very, very clearly, these guys know how to fucking run a business. Now, are they breaking rules? 100%. Are they misrepresenting things to their customers about how much trading volume is on Binance US? 1000%. And, and clearly, they're going, to, they're, they're going to have to face up to the things that they fucked up. But the question of, is Binance FTX? They could not be more different.
0: I agree. Um, uh, Travis, would you agree with Hasim's uh,
7: assessment? No, 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 of course not. No, no, no. I think there's orders of magnitude more smoke around Binance at this point. Than there was around FTX immediately
1: preceding its collapse. Isn't that because of FTX, though, Travis? I mean, we wouldn't be having this conversation without the context of FTX and seeing what happened there. I'm not. I'm not necessarily disagreeing, but like, I think that ever since FTX, the spotlight and scrutiny on this industry is dramatically higher. So. Well the cha- yeah uh,
7: the chatter of Binance being mm-hmm. under investigation by the SEC, the CFTC and the DOJ those are multi multi-year rumors. Mm-hmm. And when you look at the allegations, they've got violate they've got accusations of violations in those complaints that go from 2018 all the way up through this year. You just go go to well, the, let me let me ask you me this what, go, what, to the, go to the SEC complaint and control F 2022 and i think there's 150 mentions of 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 2022 and then you can go in there and you can read all of the different uh uh things that they were doing in
10: 2022 that are also looking like they weren't uh like that that they were totally, probably totally. violation look travis let me let me ask you this you're you're a sophisticated player you've been in this market for a while what in the binance complaint surprised you well, nothing. But I think very, very poorly of 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 Cheng Ping. So nothing. Okay. So you basically knew you knew they ran their own market maker. You knew that they were wash trading on Binance US. You knew that you know blah blah blah. They are. Moving I did it. I, mean, I did a podcast. The, with the US pop, people. I did. A, I did a podcast with pop in 2018 where I was talking about this stuff. Right. So th- th- my my but that, that that's kind of my point is that we sort of knew what we were getting with Binance. Anybody who was looking at Binance to be like, well, wow, I can't believe that the US and Employees didn't have control over stuff. It's like, are you paying any attention at all to how this company runs? People, by and large, understand what they're getting with Binance. So these, you know, oh, BNB is a, BNB is a security. Everybody kind of understands what they're getting. I think uh, I can it. It's a I very think different story with, with FTX. I think I agree with
2: Ocebia. I think we all knew that what, what Binance was doing and we just, I think we just thought it was, we wrote it off to the fact that it was, you know, probably a, a young business which was going to fix up its controls, and I think we all took comfort in the fact that later on in, in Binance's life, they actually did fix up their controls. And I think certainly the, the the perception that I got is that the market was like, okay, you know, maybe in the beginning you listed altcoins too quickly, maybe you ran, you know, market making or whatever else, but hey, you've now cleaned up your act. And I think there was a point in time where CZ actually, um, you know, you could feel the pivot, right? You could feel that he pivoted to being more. We, we want to become the most regulated exchange in the world, with the most licenses in the world. You know, that was like the the, the narrative. So I think I I, I think I agree with Asimia that, you
7: know, I think we only. All, all but use that, that yeah, but that that outward state, that outward facing stance was completely disingenuous. Read that. Did you see the Tai Chi document? Did you see that fucking thing? Yeah, we, I we learned about that in 2020. That's in. So, so, so Travis they put together a PowerPoint presentation on how to be shady as fuck. Can you, tell us, can you tell us more about it, Travis, for so anyone that's not aware? I uh, just, just so somebody just drop a link. I mean, somebody, some, I, I don't, I don't know how to do that. But now They just put a we'll, link to the slide.
0: I'll, I'll do that now, but just tell us what in the slides do you, what did you find most concerning?
10: I mean, just the, the, uh... well, yeah, I can, I can summarize it very briefly. I got, I got to drop it a sec, but I'll, I'll summarize the Tai Chi document. So basically this was a proposal for a regulatory strategy to Binance back in 2020. It basically said, create a U.S. subsidiary, basically create it as a fig leaf and claim that all of your U.S. trading is going to be congregated there, and use that as a way to deter the SEC, the DOJ, whatever, from going after you. Instead, they're going to go after the U.S. entity, but then you can still go through the back door and try to serve U.S. clients. This is a very intentional strategy that was proposed to Binance. According to the, the SEC, they did not actually adopt this strategy formally. So they didn't. The, the The person who made this proposal, Binance, said, "That's interesting, but no, we're going to do something else." But then they kind of did it anyway, according to the SEC. Um, so that that's known as the Type Chi threat. So essentially, they they used
0: a, a separate entity to the U.S. entity to go around U.S. regulations and still serve U.S. customers. Is that correct, Asim?
10: Yes, which is Binance global. That's the main exchange that has you know vast majority of the liquidity, and that's obviously illegal. That's breaking multiple laws. Correct. Yes, that's circumventing basically circumventing U.S. regulations and U.S. laws under the very intentional pretense of if we have this U.S. sort of puppet entity standing in between, they're going to go after that and not. And
0: in your thoughts on that, Hasib?
10: I mean, I, again, <laughs> we, we, we knew about this in 2020. This, this all leaked, I think, through CNBC um, three years ago. So, it, it, and every single exchange has, has done. I mean, OKX has OKCoin, uh, 4B has some U.S. thing. You know, anybody who's looking at this and is surprised it isn't very deep in this industry and doesn't really understand how these companies think. You know, it's the exact same counterpart of what US companies would do when they try to go into China, is they would try to create some kind of Chinese subsidiary that can directly face the Chinese government. It's not an uncommon strategy in principle. Now, did they do it the right way? No. And were they so you know, to be clear, there's a lot of stuff in there that we learned that Binance is doing that is super, super illegal like sanctions violations and you know banking Hamas or whatever that kind of stuff no question they are going to face the music on that and they should um, they should but and also should. 100% 100% but also anybody who is surprised that Hamas is in there under their you know no KYC to bitcoin program is mm-hmm. is just out of their minds if they don't think that there are also terrorists and bad actors who are, who are using a non KYC exchange and for a long time Binance was the largest non KYC exchange
0: yeah, I, I would agree. I'd say the. Would you agree? And then as we wrap this up and, and get final thoughts from uh, from Corey on this, would you agree, Hasib, that the and, and Travis that the most concerning aspect of all this, uh, of of the uh, uh, CFTC investigation and the SEC, I think it's the SEC, uh, the SEC documents is Binance commingling funds, but we just don't know when, how much. We just don't have enough clarity to know how concerning it is. Is that a fair statement? Maybe Travis, you could take that one.
7: Yeah, I mean I mean the OFAC stuff is super serious because of the implications as to the severity of the enforcement actions that go along with that, right? Like it's like this is the kind of thing that the US government will potentially shut down Binance.com for. And I don't know exactly what that's gonna look like. I have no idea what the timing is. I don't know how to weight the likelihood of that. I mean, I think I think, you know, not to get like like, like any, anytime you you start trying to drill down into this, the like kind of the tinfoil hat like conspiracy theory type of thing like I think naturally comes pretty quickly because if you're being honest with yourself, how much gray and black market Russian and Chinese money do you think is on binance.com? like what's the over under on that amount of money? It's not 10 million dollars. it's not it's not a hundred million dollars. It's it's it, it it would be my base case. It would be billions of dollars. So this is this is uh, the size of an issue here that uh, reaches up into geopolitical ramifications that like go to the highest level, right? Like I mean, you think about the U.S.'s relationship with Russia right now. You think about the U.S.'s relationship with China right now. And if there's billions of dollars of gray and black market money from Russia and China on Binance.com. That makes what happens with Binance.com like a big deal. Like this is this is a big deal with serious geopolitical ramifications. And I don't know, I don't know how else you you, you can think about that. Bruce. So Travis, Travis, Travis,
2: Travis, what do you what do you what do you think? How do you think this plays out? And I mean, you sound pretty negative and you sound like you've been signing alarm bells on, on Binance uh, for a while. Just walk
7: me through the next two years. And so three years and, and how this plays out in the next two to three years. I, I, I don't know whether or not the DOJ wants to shut down Binance.com or not. I don't know. And it's, it, it's, it's it's really just pure conjecture on my part. And this is what I'm about to say is complete conjecture. But if I was going to read into the actions of U.S. regulators towards Binance, let's say over the last couple months, starting with the CFTC investigation and then the lag in the time period between the cftc and then the sec and then looking at how dead to rights it appears that the us has binance.com on ofac violations you know completely dead to rights on ofac stuff which means the doj case should be open and shut right with the bits lotto and with everything that's come to light there and then you go well why haven't they brought action yet and i and, and i just i i don't know the answer to that and i don't and and are they trying to, are U.S. regulators trying to incite a bank run on Binance.com so that they can go see where all the bodies are buried, so to speak? They can watch billions of dollars of of money flow out of Binance.com. And then with blockchain forensics, they can get a sense of like, okay, this is where this money went. This is where that money went. Then they can, they can connect those wallets to, you know, potentially... You know, whatever bad actors or just gray and black market money in different parts all around the world. Uh, That's
8: just so much. you're reading? Of, of course, it's speculation. But, but it's not, the U.S. isn't not, the isn't not, the center of the world. I mean, they may That's just leave not, the U.S. and do their It's not baseless speculation. Well, but like your Russian your Russian claims, for example, you, you know, there's a, there's a whole other world outside of this weird American centric thing that says, OK, whatever. There's, there's a whole bunch of the world that does do business with Russia and China, and they may just do what a lot of sensible companies are and just say we're going to shut down in this. Uh, authoritarian uh, crap hole that used to be a free country and will go where they, where their opportunities are. And they'll just wall off the U.S. and shut it off. And you, you're saying Binance.com, you know, Binance.com already, if you go to the website, it already says this isn't available for you if you're American. You know, it's Binance U.S. is where they may have more hooks. But I don't know. I mean, I think that they... Well, that's that the
7: not artifact that... violations. That's like, like that's just uh, geofencing type of stuff. But we know from the documents that Binance.com had an entire program around letting high-value U.S. customers continue to trade on .com. It's all over the Tai Chi document. It's all in the complaints from the SEC. Ryan, right I'll, I'll
0: kind of wrap it up with a question for you. Um, you you've, been, you've been pretty objective when, whenever you covered Binance. Um, I'm in a position where I don't think Binance... I'm not going to say shouldn't be compared to FTX, but I don't think we have enough to compare it to FTX and what Sam did. Is there... Aspects of what Sam did that possibly Cz did, it's possible maybe in the old days, but I don't expect us to see a big uh, hole that hasn't been filled. However, I do think there's enough uh, smoke for, you know, for 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 significant legal hurdles hurdles for uh, for Binance. And what will happen for Binance in the next few years? Well, I think we'll continue to be here. it will be weaker, and we'll have other players play a big role. I think we'll have maybe a big exchange from one of the the TradFi guys come in and uh, take a you know, a chunk of that market share. Um, but I tend to be more optimistic. What do you think, Ryan? I
2: agree. I think, I think this plays out. I think there's lots of penalties. I think maybe Binance US becomes a casualty, a war casualty, but I think it's, I think Binance.com is going to continue as a great business.
0: Scott, are you there or you got too much background noise to give us your final thoughts? Oh well,
1: yeah. I cut no, out. Let me, let me, speak, let me speak.
0: Let me speak. Let me speak on your behalf. Uh, look guys, Binance is a scam. It's not going to be here anymore. I've been saying this for the last couple of years. Everything's a scam. Bitcoin will win. Uh, pretty accurate. Yes, yeah, Scott? Cool. All right. Well, I got it. This is enough. So, for the record, so he doesn't get canceled, this is not what Scott would say. <laughs> and his thoughts are going to be similar to what me and Rand said. He said he can't even hear me. So, I could just cancel him right now. Otherwise, look, great show. Really appreciate everyone. Travis, Bruce, thanks for staying till the end. Travis, it's just such a pleasure to have you on stage um and and dig into i know you 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 know you have a position that not many share. some people don't share it because they don't think it's accurate others don't share because they're just too worried to share it to even imagine it um or because they've got their own biases um and uh you know i, th- I think it was a good discussion i think you and bruce going back and forth and hasib and david was uh, was really interesting so it was a good discussion i really enjoyed the prime trust discussion earlier with mike i know it was a boring discussion for some but if you know the full story um that's you know being able to speak to a company like BitGo about an acquisition that's in progress with rumors flowing around and being able to discuss the rumors with them, um is gonna be uh is gonna be like drugs for the press It's probably waiting for the space to end so they have the recording so I'll end the space I'll let the press enjoy the recording thank you so much for everyone and we'll see you again to Monday because Rand and Scott, as I said, are too lazy to do weekends. Thank you everyone. Thanks for 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 Rand and Scott for making this happen. Bye.